You are all-powerful, all-knowing. You are beautiful beyond description. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name. Holy Spirit, we adore you this morning. Hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. I love the presence of God. Listen, you should have been there on Tuesday. We had such a brilliant time at Intercede. I mean, the presence of God is strong with us. Amen. So we're meeting at the Clayton, as Pastor Fiona mentioned, uh, uh, on Tuesday. So on the first Tuesday, we have a, a Bible study. Um, uh, and then the, the, the next couple of Tuesdays, we have the online Bible study. Then the last Tuesday of, um, of, the, of the month, we then have our intercede Bible study or intercede gathering or just an evening of worship and prayer. We, we just take about 10, 15 minutes just talking about what we're believing God for, what intercession means. And um, God showed up on, 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 on Tuesday. Um, such a strong sense of the presence of God. Amen. Somebody told me this morning, somebody that I'm not going to name, they said, Pastor, see what you've done. It's raining outside. <laughs> because we were, <laughs> we were calling down the rain. Amen. But it is well. Let it rain. Someone said, let it rain. The book of Psalm 22, Psalm 22. I'm going to take a break from our session. You know what, what we, we have, is, I, was, I was so eager and really tempted to, to go ahead with teaching on what we began to look at last week being the Holy Spirit. And um, we're going to continue to do that and pick that up as we go along. But I do feel quite strongly that the Lord wants us as a church to have a culture of gratitude. Um, a culture that is deep, something that is deeply ingrained in us where we understand what it means to be grateful and great gratitude is not a religious activity but it is a part of the fiber of our being. It is woven into the way we think, the way we behave, the way we see life. And in order for us to do that, we have got to be consistent with teaching about gratitude and teaching about the importance of gratitude and the impact of all of that from the Word of God. So permit me today to just take some time out, out of talking about the Holy Spirit in the, in the series that we have been doing. We'll pick that up next week. But I'm going to talk to you this morning about enemies of gratitude. Enemies of gratitude. Last time when we met for our grateful service, I spoke to you about gratitude, praise, and victory. And we looked at how it is the case that praise is a function of gratitude. Someone say after me, praise, praise. is a function of gratitude. Anybody alive this, this morning? Say after me, praise, praise is a function of gratitude. In other words, authentic praise is born out of a grateful heart. Authentic praise is born out of a grateful heart. It is impossible to have authentic praise without authentic gratitude. It is impossible to have authentic praise. You can have a praise, amen. I mean, if we know not every praise is authentic, amen. Not every praise is, you know, it can be identified as praise, but when it reaches where it really matters, 
it doesn't really count um, because it's not authentic. It's just like, you know, uh, I, was, I was sharing with those who follow me on Instagram, talking about how we've been going through a season and the church is under attack in a different kind of way because there's a lot of conversation. The enemy is doing so much to discredit the church um, by discrediting men and women of God. Amen. People of God who God has given the word of God for our generation for so many reasons. Um, for, some of, for some of it, we are walking into it ourselves with all the stup stupid things that we do as the body of Christ. But on the other hand, I really do believe that what God is doing in this time, he is highlighting that which is fake so that you can learn what is authentic. I don't know if you got what I just said. You know, the way that you learn how to, how to find, how to identify real money is by studying fake money. Sometimes they will show you the difference, amen? When you know how fake looks, you just know, you know what real looks like, you see a fake one and you will know. But anyway, the point I'm trying to make is that in all of what God, all of what's happening in the world and how the church is being attacked, there is a need, um, there is a need, God is really highlighting that which is authentic. God is after that which is authentic. Someone say that which is authentic. Amen. I, and, I, and I think that praise um, that is disconnected from gratitude will not be an authentic praise. Because praise is a function of gratitude and it's impossible to give God praise, real praise, if you are not really grateful. Praise that is disconnected from gratitude is, a, will, will, you know, in a short amount of time will become the kind of praise that sees God as a genie in a bottle. That, that, you know, you've heard that phrase that says when you praise, when the praises go up, the blessings come down. It is true, um, however, it is important that you understand the kind of praise that goes up and brings blessings down. I believe that it is authentic praise. Because if it isn't authentic praise, what will happen is that we become those people who, because we've heard uh, all those kind of Christian cliches, we just, just, it's just like when we quote scripture that we don't believe. Amen. When, you when you're declaring I am strong, when you don't even believe that you are. I, I, and, and there is a place for all of that, but the goal is authenticity. Everyone say authenticity. In other words, it is important that it comes from the right place because God looks at the heart. God is after authentic praise. Amen. God is after authentic praise. Look at Psalm 22. I'm not going to go into all of that. Some of you are looking at me like um, I should teach a little bit more on that, but maybe another time because I have somewhere I want to go. Psalm 22, we looked at this at the last grateful service. He says in verse 3, but you are holy. This is talking about God. It says, but you are holy enthroned in the praises of Israel. The God that we are serving the God that we praise is a holy God. That means that there is none like him. That means that he is set apart. That means that he is unlike any other God. And so when we praise authentically, you invite this God to be enthroned in the presence, in the place where you're enthroning him. That's why the Bible says we, we come into his gates with thanksgiving first, and then we enter his courts with praise. The thing that you go into the presence of God with 
is a consciousness of his goodness towards you and a heart of gratitude that then produces the praise with which we use to go into the courts, into the place where decisions are made concerning certain things. Amen. However, when we offer God praise, it is important that we offer him that we indeed are coming. In other words, if you're going to go into the courts with praise, make sure that you've entered the gates with authentic thanksgiving. Amen? Because everybody can sound like they are praising, but not everyone is praising. Everyone can sound like they are making the right sounds. Jesus says, these people call me Lord, Lord with their mouth, but their hearts are far from me. Because you're making the right sounds, but the, there is a disconnect from a heart of gratitude. God is always looking at the heart because you find the authenticity of a thing in the heart. And so what I am doing today is challenging you and me to be in a place where our praise is always rooted in thanksgiving where our praise is always, whenever I come to say, Lord, I'm lifting up my hands to you, I don't want to be thinking about my chicken. Amen. You know how that works. You know, sometimes you're lifting your hands, you're singing the song, but you're absolutely disconnected from what's going on. Don't put your hand up, but I will, I will be the scapegoat this morning and say, I've been there. Okay? Just me and Lintia. The other, the rest of us, amen. But, but, <laughs> sorry. But you know what I mean? Where, where you have a conversation this morning, and you came into worship, you are present, you're singing, you're swaying with the congregation. Your robe is moving, and the step is there. But you're thinking, I'm going to get you after this service. The slap I'm going to give you after this service for talking to me that way. And you, you're disconnected. How many people know, I, I don't believe that that praise is what God is looking for. He's looking for a praise. He's looking for us for when we lift our hands. And when I sway to the right or sway to the left or do the Christian aerobics, whatever it is that we do, he wants it to be rooted in, a, in an authentic understanding of his goodness towards us. It is very important because it is only until you acknowledge him that he would come and see it in that circumstance. He will be enthroned by authentic praise. When you offer up praises that are based on gratitude to him, just know that judgment is about to show up. Amen. Because that's what it means when he says he's enthroned. He's not just going to sit down to watch you sing and dance, as amazing as that is. When he sits down, he sits down as judge. He sits down as God. He sits down as the one who has the final say in any matter. And when he sits down, he will judge that situation. But it is authentic praise, praise that means something, praise that is not religious, praise that is not, that is not disconnected from gratitude, praise that is based on a heart that says, God, I am thankful for what you have done. That's the kind of praise that invites God. You even know it when somebody gives you a fake compliment. How many people know that doesn't move you? Amen. When you, you, you know when somebody comes to you and they ask you, you know, I know when my daughter wants something, you say, oh, you, you, she'll give a compliment. I say, what are you looking for? I'll take the compliment, but what are you looking for? Or she will come and say something. She will come and say, particularly when she doesn't want to go to bed. She will say, Daddy, could you tell me something about God? 
<laughs> How can I say no to that? <laughs> but I know that really what she wants is to stay up a little longer. Are you with me so far? God doesn't want that kind of praise. He wants it to be authentic. Everyone say authentic. So look at this. And whenever we offer God authentic praise, judgment shows up. God shows up to judge. And when God shows up to judge, what that simply means is somebody is going to get their butt whooped and somebody is going to be blessed. Amen. In the book of 2 Chronicles chapter 20, they are faced with this circumstance. We're not going to go there for time. But Jehoshaphat and the children of Israel, they are encamped around by these kings and these soldiers and these armies, national armies. And Jehoshaphat goes to God and says, God, I don't know what to do about this kind of situation. Uh, I am calling on you. And God gives them instruction. And the Bible says that what they did is that they began to praise God. They began to lead with their praises towards God. Authentic praise um, was put forth as they, uh, as they faced that situation. And whilst they were praising God, the Bible says that God showed up in the enemy camp. Because what, what God does when you authentically praise him is that he is enthroned in the praises of his people. So you're going through a depressive situation. Whatever you can find to declare the goodness of God, I encourage you to declare that thing because when you authentically give God praise, even in a circumstance that doesn't seem to favor you, God will show up in the camp of the enemy. Glory be to God. Just like he did in, in Second Chronicles. You are going through a situation where you're lacking money. You don't know what to do about what you're facing. Begin to give God praise for what you can give God praise for him. Give, give God praise for. And you, what he will do is that he will show up. And the Bible says in 2 Chronicles 20 that God showed up in the camp of the enemy. And they began to fight one another. And I believe that what happened is that God was enthroned in the praises of, of his people. And he began to judge. And he judged their attack against God's people as illegal. And he condemned every attempt that they are making to take him down or take them down. He condemned those attempts to failure. That is why they began to fight one another. Because when you praise God authentically, he is enthroned in the praises of his people. Amen. I'm going to give you 60 seconds to give God an authentic praise in him. I'm going to give you 60 seconds to thank God for his mercy towards you. I'm going to give you 60 seconds to throw confusion in the camp of the enemy. I'm going to give you 60 seconds to declare, God, you have been good to me. I am declaring your mercy and your grace. I am declaring that you have been faithful. You have done all things well. You have kept my soul among the living. I give you glory right now. I give you glory right now. The Lord is enthroned on the praises of his people. When his people decide that regardless of who surrounds me, like they did to Jehoshaphat, regardless of who is surrounding me, I'm going to lead with praises. I'm going to lead with an authentic heart of praise. He is enthroned in the praises of his people. You are Three days away from gathering spoils. 
Amen. Amen. The Bible says, after God did what he did, they spent three days. They didn't lift a finger to fight because God judged in that situation. I prophesy over you that as you decide to praise, may this be that week where God will judge that thing that has been attacking your body. He will judge that thing that has been attacking your mind. He will judge that situation that you've not known what to do about. He will give you insight to know what to do. He will, he will sow up and sow out and make himself known as the righteous judge because he will be enthroned in your praises. One more time, somebody give the Lord a hand of praise for his goodness. And so your praise is a spiritual weapon. Your praise is a spiritual weapon. Your praise is one of those weapons that are not carnal, but are mighty through God for the pulling down of strongholds. Remember the book of 2 Corinthians 10 verse 4, it talks about how our weapons are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to pull down strongholds. And I believe that your praise is one of those weapons that are not carnal, but they are mighty nonetheless. They are not carnal, but it is mighty. And so seeing as your gratitude and your praise is that powerful, guess what the enemy will do? If I was the enemy, which I am not, if I was the enemy, guess what I will do? I will come against your ability to be grateful. Because if I can attack your gratitude, I can silence your praise. And if I can silence your praise, I can exempt you from the judgment that only God can bring. Are you with me so far? Amen. And, and so what the enemy would do is to look for, it sounds, you know, little, it, it sounds like it's not much, but, but, but it is a huge deal when the enemy begins to hinder your ability to be grateful. Now, this is, this is for all of us. It is, you know, it is the little things that he steals, the little joys, the things that he comes, you know, he clouds your mind. And we'll look at some of the ways that he does this. He stops you from being grateful because you are caught up with something else. And, 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 and he does that because he knows that if you genuinely begin to be grateful concerning these things that God has done in your life, that God will, you will be moved to a place of praise. And if you are moved to a place of praise, you cannot be defeated. The psalmist put it this way. He says, I will bless the Lord at all times. He says, his praise will continually be in my mouth. I, I can't remember if it's David that wrote that psalm, but it sounds like something that David would do. And I wonder if that is the reason David never lost a battle. Because he understood that even when I go through the worst of situations, if I am grateful and I decide to praise God because of what I am grateful for, then I will always win. Your victory is connected to your gratitude. Amen. Don't play with what I'm talking about. Sometimes, you know, as, um, as Christians, we look for the deeper. You know, the, 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 sometimes we gather around the word and we're looking for something overly spectacular, but God is in the detail. Amen. God is in the little things. God is in the things that, that, you, that other people ignore. Are you with me so far? God is looking, to, he's looking to, he's looking to show up in that situation and show up as God in that situation, but it depends on us being willing to be grateful and then releasing ourselves into the courts of God with our praise and then enthroning him as God in that situation. Someone say, Lord, Lord. 
you have my heart. So here are three things. I don't know how much, I'll, how much I can cover today. Here are three things that, that hinder or that, that become an enemy of gratitude. And I want you to pay attention to these things. Number one, ignorance. Everyone say ignorance. Second, Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. This is a description of the enemy talking about those who are not yet born again. And he says something about the enemy that I want to highlight here. He says in verse 4, he says, Whose minds the God, little g, of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light. Look at why he blinds their eyes so that they don't believe, so that the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. Okay, so, so, so look at this. The Bible calls, calls the enemy the God of this age, the little g of this age, and says that one of his strategies is to blind minds. It is literally to pretty much to get to the place where he keeps you ignorant of the glory of Christ. What is the glory of Christ? When we talk about the glory of Christ, glory is manifested goodness. Glory is goodness that has showed up that can only be attributed to God. So look what the enemy does. The enemy will blind your eyes and blind our eyes to the manifested goodness that comes from Christ alone. Uh, he, 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 he wants to blind that so that you're not able to see it. Because if you want to keep a person powerless, keep them ignorant of the source of their power. Okay? If you want to keep a person powerless, if you want to go, go check out any regime, you know, any national regime or any totalitarian regime where there has been dictators ruling, what would happen is that the, one of the first things they would do is they would look to keep the people ignorant. In, in, in times of slavery, they will keep the slaves from reading books. Because if the slaves can read books, they will learn certain things that will expose them or show them who they really are. So, so ignorance is not bliss. Hello, church. Ignorance is not bliss. It is a tool that the enemy uses to blind your mind, blind you from what God is looking to do in your life. The Bible says that my people perish for lack of knowledge. Ignorance of what you should be thankful for is exempting you from the power that you have access to. I'll say it again. Ignorance of what you and I should be thankful for often exempts us from the power that is available to us to change some, uh, the situations that we face. Jesus did something amazing in John chapter 11. John chapter 11, we're going to go to verse 41, uh, 41. but let me just set the scene. Here's the scene. This is, this is the place where Lazarus is dead. Lazarus is Jesus' beloved friend, and, and Jesus is deeply impacted when he shows up and everyone is crying, and there is so much sadness, and the Bible records that Jesus is full of compassion. His heart is moved because his dear friends are in tears. They are upset because of the death of their child or of their brother. And, 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 he, and he steps into the scene where all of this, this heartbreaking situation. Now I love, and I've never really thought about this until this week when I was reading this, and he says in verse 41, Jesus now is about to pray 
concerning this situation. So don't forget, the situation is Lazarus is dead. He has been dead four days. By this time, any hope they had had of anything happening was pretty much gone. Everyone was upset. The situation did not look like anything can happen. And so Jesus shows up on the scene, and look at what he does in verse 41. He says, so they took away the stone. Verse 40, he talked about them taking away the stone and all of that. I didn't want to go into all of that. But verse 41, he says, so they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, now, I, I, I'm expecting him to do something fantastic. At the, the first, because what we're dealing with is the death of Lazarus. And so he looked up and says, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. Okay, Jesus, that's interesting. I am glad you are using this opportunity to have a wonderful conversation with your father. But this is not a conversation about whether God hears you or not. We are talking about Lazarus. I can imagine if I was Jesus' PPA, I'd probably bring him a note, Pastor um, Lazarus. Not, not God hearing. Anybody know what I mean? Because, because if you're going to pray at the grave of somebody who just died, we want to see you do some fantastic stuff. Come on, don't shout me down. And it, you, 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 we, we, you know how we like dramatics. That, that's how you know, um, Naaman, um, is, yeah, Naaman goes to Elijah uh, for healing, and, and he shows up, and Elijah says, go and dip. The man says, What? You're just going to tell me to go and swim. Do we not have swimming pools where I come from? I was expecting the man to come out and wave his hands and do all of that. The man, he didn't do any of that. And sometimes we're looking for all of those things. And Jesus shows up here in the, in the front of someone's grave. In the midst of all these people crying. And the first thing he's doing is saying, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I thank you that you have heard me. Why are you thanking God that you are, what has him hearing you got to do with anything? We're crying because Lazarus is dead. No one is debating that God hears you. Are you with me so far? So that, that doesn't seem to be something that is a valid thing to thank God about. But here is what Jesus knew. He knew that when you're asking anything of the Father, remember 1 John 4, if you ask anything of the Father, you need to believe that he hears us because we ask according to his will. And if he hears us, then we have the things that we are asking as long as we are asking according to his will. So Jesus shows up. What I need right now is to resurrect my friend. But what I have right now is the ear of my father. So what I can do is in the absence of my friend resurrecting, I will start by thanking God for what I have right now on my way to what I need. Okay, so, so, so what the enemy will do is that he will blind your mind to the thing that you can be grateful for in the moment by magnifying the thing that you are facing. Yeah. So he magnifies, he will magnify the death of Lazarus so big that thanking God that he hears you seems like an insignificant thing. Because the enemy wants to blind your mind. He wants to blind your mind. But Jesus says, so my friend may be dead, and what I need is resurrection, but I'll start off with gratitude for what I have. And what I have is the ear of my heavenly father. 
So he starts off by saying, Father, thank you that you hear me. Some of you this week, you might not yet be in a place where you're in the house of your dream, but you need to start thanking God that you're in a house. Amen. You might not be in the place where you are earning what you want to earn, but you need to start thanking God that you are earning. You might not be in a place where that sickness has completely left your body, but you need to thank God, like we saw this, this morning, that at least you feel better today than you did yesterday. It might seem insignificant to the unbeliever, but your heavenly Father celebrates that you see the little things and you are beginning to give him praise for that. You might be homeless, but thank God that you're alive. You might be without shoes, but thank God your feet are in place. You might be without something. Begin to look for what you can thank God for. Do not allow the enemy to keep you ignorant of the goodness of God in your life because you're recognizing and seeing the goodness of God and giving God praise for that which seems insignificant right now. My, my, it is the key to the power. Listen carefully. The power you need for your deliverance is in your willingness to be grateful for what you have been delivered from. And all of us have been delivered from something. What are you grateful for? Every month we are prompting you and prodding you and making you. I want you to think about this thing. I was saying to the leaders, no, we're going to come to God and all of us are going to bring our gratitude to God because we, God is good and we must develop a genuine uh, um, discipline of saying there is always something in my life to be grateful for because the power to overpower that which you need shifting is in your willingness to see that which has shifted. Amen? You are powerful. You just don't know it. And you don't know it because the enemy has blinded your eyes to the goodness of God all around you. The Bible talks about how the glory of God covers the earth. And yet people don't see the glory because the enemy blinds your mind. What has the enemy blinded your mind and, and cause you not to see. What is he keeping you ignorant of? Psalm 28 verse 7 talks about this. He says, the Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him. Psalm 28 verse 7. My heart trusts in him and I am helped. Therefore my heart exalts. And with my song I shall thank him. When you're ignorant of the fact that you have strength in God and protection in him, you feel like you've been carrying the burdens of life all by yourself, and so there is no need to be thankful. You feel like you've been the one protecting your children, amen? You've been the one protecting. You know, sometimes we can do that where you just feel, Lord, I'm tired. Anybody ever been tired? Just say, Lord, I'm actually right now I am tired, amen? And the problem is sometimes in, that, in those seasons, you can feel like you have been God. It's in those seasons that, that the enemy blinds your mind. He highlights how tired you are in the little part you've had to play for, and makes you forget that if the Lord does not watch a city, the watchman watches in vain. In other words, you might be tired, but the reality is that what, God, what you have so far, you only have because God has preserved you. Amen? He is your strength. Don't let the enemy blind your eyes to see that he is your strength. Someone say, today, I am not ignorant of the goodness of God. I really encourage you, always look out for the things that you are thankful for. Amen? Always practice thanksgiving. Say, anybody, practice thanksgiving. 
Okay, so the, the second thing is comparison. Comparison. I'm going to move quickly. Comparison. Are you learning something today? So ignorance and the plan of the enemy is to blind your eyes to what God has done. To keep you from, in fact, a lot of the times, what I like to do is, is stop in the middle of what I'm, what I'm dealing with and the pressures. And the moment you stop and say, you know what, God? At least I thank you. I know we're believing God for this bill. But I'm thanking you that this one has been paid. Amen? And suddenly you start to see, if you can pay this one, this one doesn't look hard. Because I didn't have the solution to this one. You did it. Amen? But the enemy will keep you ignorant and, and credit that bill to your job. Amen? He credits it to your job, and, and so you do the math based on your job. But when you do the math based on your God, everything is completely different. Amen? Everything is completely different. The other thing is comparison. So the other thing the enemy uses to uh, put in your way. Are, are we okay to just teach the word of God today? Yes. Praise God. Comparison. Look at um, uh, Psalm 73. I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. Psalm 73. It says, truly, verse 1. Psalm 73, verse 1. It says, truly, God is good to Israel, to those whose hearts are pure. But as for me, I almost lost my footing. It says, my feet were slipping, and I was almost gone. Check out why he was almost gone. For I envied the proud when I saw them prosper. <laughs> Just look at me, Christian. If you haven't been to this place, your Christianity yet is to be questioned. I tell you, I didn't mince my words. If you as a Christian have not been to the place where you are wondering, this person does not even, they don't even go to church. How come they get the promotion? I'm, 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 I'm checking your Christianity because I am, anyway, let's go back to the scripture. It says, for I envied the proud. I've been there. I've envied the proud. These people are not even serving you with their life. I, I, I envied the proud despite their wickedness. They seem to live such a painless life. Their bodies are so healthy and strong. <laughs> this is, they don't have troubles like other people. They're not plagued with problems like everyone else. Isn't that amazing? Isn't it amazing how we look at life from your, from your vantage point and it looks like, well, you can say that. You're not going through anything. You've got no situation. You've got no, look at you, your life is perfectly fine. I saw you on Instagram with your boo. It is well. There was the hashtag, the filter looked good. You guys were at dinner again. <laughs> Amen. You guys were on holiday again. How many holidays do you go for? Do you even pray when you're on holiday? You, the comparison gets you to the place where your eyes are in your neighbor's house and you just kind of wound up. Look at you looking fine. <laughs> Comparison. And there is no way that you're going to be grateful for what you have when you're in that state. This is the kind of place where instead of being grateful for your husband or your wife, you come back home and you're looking at them. Your mates are taking us on holiday. What are you doing here? Where are we going this year? Says, babe, can we go to the fish and chip shop? I don't want to go to fish and chip. <laughs> uh, so instead of being a place where you are grateful that at least you can buy fish and chips, 
and enjoy fish and chips. You are in a place where you are so unhappy and you can't even express. And this is, and, and, and here's the funny thing. This kind of unhappiness, you know, you can't even tell your friend. <laughs> you can't tell your friend that this is the reason why you're unhappy. So your friends are suffering because you are grumpy and just kind of just upset. And why are you upset? I don't know. Or you, you know, but you can't talk about it. You see what I mean? And it just messes everything up. So now, you know, you, you can't even tell your wife, this is why I saw them on Instagram again. Some of you just need to get off Instagram. Because Instagram is not real. The filters, let me tell you. Listen, everybody, even the psalmist here, he is looking at, the, at those who don't seem to have problems. You don't know them. Because if you knew them, they have problems. Everybody has problems. Everybody has issues. I promise you, you don't want my issues. There is a reason why God gave you your issues and not mine. Amen. Because we all have some. So, so, so thank God for the filter. Thank God for the boo, the baby. I was looking for something else that rhymes. But anyway, thank God for all of that and give God praise. But listen, they got issues. Amen. Don't be deceived, you know, by social media. And, and social media enhances this thing. I told you, I've talked about this when, when we were talking about um, vision. One of the things that I, I like to be honest when I talk to you, one of the things I have to do as a pastor is be careful about my mind, particularly on Sunday afternoons or Sunday evenings when I get home, be careful of what I feed my mind when I'm evaluating the day. What I can do is I can begin to compare what God is doing in our house to maybe what God is doing in somebody else's house. And, I, and, and, and the moment I start to do that, I see my joy leaving. I, I can see it going. Anybody, anybody know? Can you, have you ever been to a place where you just know you're about to get unhappy? You, 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 you just kind of see, you just see the unhappiness. It, it starts here. It's, it's going. It's, it, wait, wait, wait. Amen. And it's just, it's just, not because anything is wrong. God might do amazing things in our house, and, and, and I've heard amazing testimonies. But the only thing that I did was to go and compare what God was doing in another person's lane to what God is doing in my lane. And suddenly what God is doing in my house becomes too small to be grateful to God for. And I then start to lose power. Sometimes we need to be in a place where you just stay in your lane. Comparison belittles the goodness of God in your life. How do I know when comparison? Now, there is a comparison that is healthy. There is, a, there is a time when it's healthy to compare. Amen? Don't be in a place where you are the only one in your world. That is not healthy. Okay? Don't be in a place where you're, you're, the, only chair, you're the only boss in your world. There ought to be people around you, people that inspire you. But you know that comparison has become unhealthy and has become an enemy of your life when comparison starts to steal your ability to be grateful for where you are. Amen? Amen. Look at uh, verse 12, verse 12 uh, of the same Psalm 73. He says, look at these wicked people. This is, this is, this is the psalmist saying, enjoying a life of ease whilst their riches multiply. Did I keep my heart pure for nothing? I love the Bible, amen. I love how real the Bible is. The, the, it, 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 thank God for the word of God. 
He says, did I keep my, myself innocent for no reason? Amen? Did, did, did I keep myself pure for no reason? Look, look at that. She, he was sleeping all over the place. She was all, and they're, they're married before me. What is that? What, no, they're not even as fine as I am. That's what the psalmist is saying. Did I keep myself innocent for no reason? He says, I get nothing but trouble all day long. Every morning brings me pain. It's a lie because God has been keeping you. Do you hear me? It, it is not true that you get nothing but trouble. What about the air in your lungs? But comparison won't let you see that. What about the fact that you are a king? What about the fact that you, ha you, you have a job? What about the fact that there is at least one person who loves you? What about the fact that you can still walk? What about the fact that you don't have to run from the police? What, ab what about all those things? But we reach the conclusion. There's been pain all day long. All day long. How are you? Mm. You don't really want to know. Because what I've been going through, I've been through the fire. Come on. You're not the only one who went through the fire. There was a fourth man in the fire. <laughs> Amen. The reason you're here, you haven't burnt. Amen. I knew, I, knew, I, 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 I knew a guy who would always want to outdo me. You mean those people? Just always want to tell you my trouble is nothing like you know. I'm trying to come in. You know what? And the, fir the, the first few times, I was saying, you know what? I, but, but thank God that you're here. Yeah, but pastor, but it's bad. Like, I'm like, yeah, but, but it was bad. But, but thank God at least you're here. Yeah, but you don't know how I got here. <laughs> yeah. Let's just give God praise for something. I'm just trying to help you. Your power isn't. So I just started listening. I said, well, I'll, I'll pray for you. Because I don't know what else to say. Because I really do believe that regardless of what you're dealing with, if I can turn your eyes to what you can be grateful for, you will find power to deal with what you're dealing with. If I can just turn your gaze away, sometimes it's just turning your gaze and getting back to, well, you know what? At least God is with us. That's one of my default phrases when, when we're facing things um, in ministry and trying to, to, to face and we don't know how something is going to work out. My default is this much I know. I am thankful that God is with us. Amen? But comparison will steal. Comparison will belittle what God is doing in your life. Comparison opens the door to all kinds of envy and evil things. Remember Saul and David, they come back from battle, and the ladies start to sing, Saul has slain a thousand, David has slain ten thousand. So I was like, what? He heard the first part of the song, he was feeling good. He heard the second part of the song, the Bible says a spirit of jealousy got into him. And from that day on, he didn't just feel a little jealous. So all the funny things that we were laughing about earlier where you're kind of envying somebody, you know, the, 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 what is horrible about that, even though we were laughing about it, is that it doesn't stop at just the feeling of envy. The next thing that happens is if you don't catch yourself, you will turn into a witch. Do you want to witches? Someone who is manipulative, who is looking with... That's exactly what Saul was doing. Saul, jealousy got into him, and before he knew, he started scheming all kinds of things, not because God has not called him, not because God's hand was not on him, but because he decided, I am going to compare myself with somebody else. I do believe that Saul, that David was God's second choice. Saul was God's first choice. But it was that whole idea 
of comparison. Are you with me so far? Comparison opens the door to all kinds of evil things, all kinds of thoughts that, you know, you, 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 you stay awake at night and you're wondering how you're going to answer them. You, you, no, 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 don't do that. You are, you, focus on what God has done for you. Look for what is good, amen? I'll talk to couples who are maybe going through different things. Say, well, at least you're talking. Amen. Sometimes that sounds insensitive, but that's real. That's powerful. Can you, can you understand how powerful that is? That all, in spite of all the fights that's going on, all the troubles you're facing, you two can still sleep in the same bed. You two can still laugh. You two can still joke around. That is amazing. Because as long as you have that, you can build again. Fair neighbor, neighbor. Don't let comparison steal gratitude. 2 Timothy chapter 1. The final thing I want to show you, which is, the en- which is an enemy of gratitude. Final thing I want to show you is a spirit of fear. A spirit of fear. We know this famous scripture. 2 Second, Second Timothy chapter 1 verse 7 says that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but he has given us a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. For God has not given... Come on, let's read that together. Someone say, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of, pa- but of power, love, and a sound mind. Amen? A spirit of fear says it doesn't matter what you have. What you don't have is going to be the end of you. That's how a spirit of fear works. A spirit of fear belittles what you have. And, and a lot of human beings, we operate on this spirit of fear, where, where we are always looking to fix the worst-case scenario. Amen? You meet somebody you like. You see everything that is good in them, or you, you're in a job that you like, uh, and it's paying you good money, it's, it, the transport links are good, or, you know, uh, but there is a particular issue. And so what we'll do is we will belittle all the other things that are good about the situation because we're afraid of what the bad, what the thing we count as bad can do. Amen? That's what the spirit of fear does. The spirit of fear, fear gets you to the place to say, you know, although all these other things are good and all these things are working, I, I, I am afraid of this one thing that is not working because I'm, I, I want to solve this thing and, and I'm not going to rest. In fact, sometimes what we do is destroy every other thing that is working because you're trying to fix this one thing. And then you fix it and then there are other things to fix. The spirit of fear. Amen? The spirit of fear says it doesn't matter who stayed with you. Look at who left you. It will keep your eyes on those who left, on the things that left, and, and, and put you in a place where you're not grateful for who stayed. The spirit of fear says, forget the fact that you have a house. You're, uh, forget the fact that your bills are paid. Forget the fact that, uh, that you have a job. But have you thought about what will happen if you lose those things? Amen. <laughs> Do you get what I mean? Some, so sometimes it's just the fear of losing what you have. I have to deal with the fear of getting things wrong. Can I tell you myself? Amen. Amen, church. Usually Tuesday, I'm a little bit more, more straightforward um, in terms of what I, sometimes I go home and I feel like, why did you tell them that? <laughs> Amen. Why, why did you, you know, last, I'm, I'm so glad you came back, by the way, because last week, last week, <laughs> last week uh, we had, we talked about sex, sexuality, and faith. Dear God, the heat in this room. Uh, so we talked about some real stuff. I was thinking after we finished that session, I wonder if these people are going to come back. After, after the kind of conversations we, ha- we have had. But can we, can, I, can we just give God praise for the, your neighbor who came back? Amen. 
because we had some real talk, talking about real life situation, because I am determined. Remember, let me tell you this, let me just do some vision casting, because I do believe that our effect, we will know that we are successful, not by what happens, prima not primarily by what happens when we gather, but what happens when we disperse. We will know that we are successful by what happens at your workplace, and you face a difficult question with someone who's dealing with same-sex situation or transgender, and that, those are some of the things we talked about last week that was, you know, that was not religious. We just really dealt with those things because we need wisdom, and that is what God has. God is, I really, can I speak prophetically what I believe that God is doing in this time is that he is not just raising up church champions. He is, he is blurring the line between the secular and the sacred. In the eyes of God, there is no church life and outside church life. In the eyes of God, all of them are the same. So it ought to be the case that, every, that, that what we equip you with doesn't just equip you to live a wonderful, live in the Christian bubble, but it equips you to take the word of God and live wherever you are. Amen. Now, I don't even know how I got here, but, you know, we, 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 we <laughs> put that out there. The point I was making, let me get back to my notes so that I can find myself. Amen. Uh, tell neighbor, shout Hallelujah. The point I'm making is that sometimes we get to this place where, where we live in all, all kinds of little fears that steal the joy of the moment. So you are here now, but you are afraid of what will happen afterwards. You are doing what is right. I have to deal with myself. This is what I was saying. I have to catch myself and work on the fear of getting things wrong. I, 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 particularly when it comes to the things of God, I really see this as sacred as important as the weight of how profound this is sometimes, if I don't watch myself, can make me operate from the fear of getting things wrong. And that is not how God wants us to live. Amen? He, want, he doesn't want us to operate from a spirit of fear. So instead of being afraid of getting things wrong, I operate from a place of, I thank you, for, thank you Lord, that that decision was brilliant. Thank you, Lord, for that event that went so well. Thank you, Lord, for these people that gather. Thank you, Lord. Let's thank God for those things and not be consumed by what could go wrong. Amen? Sometimes, you know, instead of thanking God for the health, you're worried about the sickness that might come. Amen? So now you're worried about pollution. And so you're, you're on the bus, on the train. It's so funny. On the, if you go on the underground and somebody sneezes, have you watched? Don't even watch the person who sneezed. Watch everyone around. Dear God, their faces change. I, I, I'm sure some of them are Christian. Their Christian goes out the window because there is this fear of contamination. And then you see those who are, who are afraid of being blown up. And anybody who carries a bag. <laughs> and the spirit of fear is just robbing you of life. So you're in that wonderful train that you could have been enjoying and reading, but here you are watching and being, being you know, the police of the world. Amen. Everyone say focus. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power, of love, and a sound mind. We're not going to operate in fear in any, in any aspect of our life. Don't let fear rob you of the things that you are supposed to be grateful for. Sometimes it's even fear, I, I, I'll use that testimony again that, I, that we read this morning because we all heard that, of somebody saying, I was feeling, I'm not 100%, pretty much they're saying, I'm not 100% yet, but I thank God that I'm feeling better. 
sometimes it's the fear that I don't want to give my testimony now because I don't know <laughs> if this is real. Has God ever done something in your life that you feel like, I don't want to talk about it, so I don't jinx it? Hello, Christian, talking about jinx. That's not a Christian term. It's not a Bible word, you know. It's from the world. <laughs> but, but we still operate with fear. Ooh, this is too good. Are you sure this is mine? Lord, is this healing mine? Because you can take it back. Give, give me the sickness. And so sometimes we're, we're, we're so afraid that I'm not, I'm not, the testimony is not yet complete. So I'm not going to start praising God for it yet. Because I'm afraid that he won't finish what he started. And you know that's the biggest fear the enemy wants you to live with. The fear that God will not finish what he started in you. The fear that you have believed in vain. The fear that regardless of what you have seen so far, that it's not going to end as the word of God declares. But God has not given you a spirit of fear. He has given you a spirit of power, of love, and of a sound mind. So you can give God praise where you are. Thank you, Lord, that you have kept me. Lord, I have struggles with my faith, but I thank you that in spite of all these struggles, I am still here, being able to lift my hands to you, still believing that you are God. I thank you that I am believing God to come out of debt, but I am grateful that I'm no longer getting those letters. I am not afraid because the God who has kept me then will keep me here. There is power available to you in every area that you choose to be grateful to God for. Why don't you take a minute right now and just find something to be grateful for? It shouldn't take you long. It shouldn't take you long. In fact, I encourage you, why don't you write something down? Because if I say go and write it later on, you might not do it. I encourage you, why don't you write five things right now that you are grateful for? I'd encourage you not to just go, and I thank God for saving me. I'm not, I'm not putting down all the wonderful things like God has saved me. He has kept me. I want you to be as specific as possible. What, what in your job are you thankful for? Why don't you write it down, articulate it now? Come on, we can do this. Hello, young people. Do the same as well. What are you thankful for? In your family, there might be things happening at school, at college, at university that, are, that is not quite lined up. You know, some things that, that you don't have the answers to. Why don't you write down what you are thankful for, though? Write it down and keep it before your eyes. <coughs> Hallelujah. Father, you see everything that is written down all across this room. People are writing down amazing things that you have done. Things that they are grateful for. And Lord, we thank you for what you have done so far. Thank you for what you have done so far. Lord, we give you praise. And I thank you, Lord, for every other thing that your people are believing God for. I thank you, Lord, that you are releasing the power. You are sitting down to judge every situation that contradicts your will. I speak life into every life in here. I pray that our eyes will be open to see your glory all around us, to see your goodness all around us, that our hearts will stay in that place of gratitude. We love you so much. You have done all things well. Come on, in your words, tell God that you have done all things well. In your words, don't get into religion, just, just, just thank him for the things on that list. Thank him for the things on that list. 
thank him for the things on that list. Thank you so much for your goodness. Glory and honor. Power and dominion belong to you. You are so good. You are so good. Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand of praise for his goodness. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's come before God with our giving. Let's come before God with our giving. I hope that blessed you this morning. Let's come before God with our best gift. Blessed be your holy name, O God. You have done all things well. Hallelujah. Bring your best gift. If you need an envelope, lift up your hands. The stewards will make sure you get one. If you prefer to give electronically, the details are on the screen. Hallelujah. I encourage you to bring your tithe, bring your offerings, bring the best. Bring the best that you have. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7, it says, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. Don't give reluctantly or under compulsion because God loves a cheerful giver. Amen? Deuteronomy 16, verse 7 says, each of you must bring a gift in proportion to the way that the Lord God has blessed you. Let your giving be a reflection of how he has empowered you, how he has blessed you. Amen? Don't keep giving God like you used to give him. Give him in proportion to how he has blessed you. Hallelujah. God is looking for people who will decide, I am going to be a sponsor of the kingdom. Amen. I was hoping a few more people would say amen. I say God is looking for people to partner with upon the earth. He is looking for people of substance, and he will make you a person of substance, by the way. He is looking for people of substance. He is looking for people who, are, who, are, who have a generous heart. Amen. Someone say, that's me. He wants to use you. God has called us to do so many great things. So many great things. And, uh, and the speed at which we do that will be dependent on our generosity as a people. Amen? Our ability to do that will be dependent on our generosity as a people. We're going to come together. Uh, uh, we'll, uh, we'll probably give you, give you more information about that very soon. Um, for a, a time where we're just going to sow into this vision, we'll remind ourselves of what God is going to do and we're going to come and, and sow something special where we just want to really be in a place where we can be a blessing in this city. Amen? I mentioned, I think I've talked about this before, I do believe that the way that we are going to increase our stake in the city of London is by investing in this city. My faith is that for as long as we are a church in this city, regardless of where we are meeting, that there will be, there will be there will be people, there will be charities, there will be people who are doing amazing work that will be so glad 
that we are here. Amen? That will be so glad that we are here because we will sponsor them. Amen? Before this year is over, we will write huge checks to people doing great work in our city. Amen. Our job, what we do best is, is we preach the gospel, we gather. So we're not going to try and do everything, but we're going to find those who are doing things that we can't do, and we're going to sponsor them. Amen. That's who we are. But we've got to be in a place where we are keeping our house in order, where we are operating responsibly, where there is enough to take care of what we need. Are you with me so far? So that's our strategy. That's our thinking. Everything you are giving is going towards the operations and making these things happen, making church happen. And we are believing God. We're, we're believing for the overflow. We're not going to stay in a place where we're just taking over. We are coming into a place of the overflow. Would you believe God with me? Amen. The overflow. And as it's, going, as it's happening in this house, it's going to happen in your house. The overflow. Amen. But it will happen. Remember, authenticity is the key. It's us not being in a place where, you know, we are giving. Where you are giving. All of us are giving the best as God has blessed us. Amen. As God in proportion to how he has blessed you. And when God sees the people that are willing to do that, he will make sure you never lack. Amen. He, he will make sure you never lack. I won't talk to the men about this, but the Bible says a faithful man, who can find? Um, it, it's, um, it's, it's easy to find an accountant. It's easy to find, a, a, you know, a male accountant or a male doctor or a male musician. But really what we're after is a faithful man. Does that make sense? We'll talk about this as men later on, but I think it applies to all of us. It's easy to find people who show up at church and identify as Christians. That is not a hard thing to find. But what God is really after is faithful people. People who will do with what he has given them what he said to do with them. And I believe he has found those people. Come on, you are, you are not encouraging me this morning. <laughs> I said, I believe he has found those people here. Amen. We can ask the Lord to call up his search. Because the people of Radiant City, London are a faithful people. Amen? And so we are bound in blessing. Luke 16, 10 says, Whoever can be trusted with little can also be trusted with much. Whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. God is looking to bring you much. He is looking to bring us much. He is looking to bring us into a place of abundance. But we have got to be brilliant stewards of where we are right now. Because it is not what we do that qualifies us, but what we do that tells the time. Does that make sense? The abundance is already you, yours. All that is mine already belongs to my children. But their behavior at the moment will mean that I won't give them the, car, the keys to my car. I was going to say the cars to my key. The keys to my car. Why? Because the time has not come. Not because what I have, it doesn't yet belong to them but because they're not mature enough. And that's what we do. We can tell God that we are mature when we give generously, when we give according to what God has done and watch what God will do in our time. Amen? He will expedite some things in your life. When God finds a faithful giver, he will make sure you never lack. 
he will release the anointing on your life. You thought you were giving money, he will give you the anointing. And the anointing will remove the burden, not just in your bank accounts, but in the lives of your children, in the lives of your children's children. Amen? He will establish you forever. Whilst I'm here, I declare you will never lack for any good thing that men will give unto your bosom. I declare you're coming out of your overdrafts. I declare that debt cancellation is your portion, that you are operating not from a place of deficiency, but operating from a place of surplus. In the name of Jesus, that you are operating in the green, that your thinking is in the green, your budgeting is in the green, your planning is in the green, amen. Your business is in the green. You are thriving and moving forward from a place of strength. Amen? And as you continue to give, the Lord will release the wisdom to cause that to happen. Amen? I believe I received that. I received that. Bring your time. Yeah, let's give God a hand of praise. Once you're ready, stand to your feet. Stand to your feet.